Once upon a time, on the coast of the East, there was the most fantastic woman that ever lived, Tracy Harrison. So flattering. Oh, I love it. Keep telling the story. And she sent a diamond jewelry care package to the most wonderful woman of the West, Rowan Hall. How did she do it? She went on to diamondjewelry.com and saw that they were selling care packages. They only started at $25, so she thought this is too good to be true. She told them all about Rowan and how amazing she is, and they created the custom care package of her dreams. These packages can include anything from candies, scarves, books, puzzles, candles, and so much more. If you, trepid adventurer, want to be wonderful and amazing like Tracy Harrison, all you have to do is go to diamondjewelry.com. That's D-I-A-M-E-N-T jewelry.com. Or head to Diamond Jewelry on Instagram. But wait, we have a mystical, magical coupon code for you, fearless adventurer. Use code WILLINGANDFABLE10. That's WILLINGANDFABLE with the number 10 at the end to get 10% off of your order at Diamond Jewelry. So go Sally Forth. Ooh, Sally Forth is good. (laughs) So Sally Forth to the wild world of the internet and be cool like Tracy Harrison and Diamond Jewelry. God. Do you know that? Do you know that that comedy video where it's the person running around cleaning and they're like, "We have to move this couch. We can't let people know we sit." <laughs> I felt like that when I was cleaning before you came over, and I actually said that to Tim. I was like, "We can't let people know we sit." You cleaned for me. Of course, I cleaned for you. You think my house is clean at all in any way, shape, or form ever at any given moment? Yes, I clean it when Tim cleans the kitchen. <laughs> I'm enamored with your chair. I say chair. You have a million chairs, but you know which which one I'm talking about. It's the yellow chair. Yeah. I, I if I could somehow steal it, I would. You can buy it. It's from IKEA. It, that's not the point, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hunt that matters. <laughs> Do you guys ever get like that? You know, you want a thing, you're looking for the perfect version of a thing, and then you get to the point where you can't buy it because it's more fun looking for it than having it. (laughs) Everything, all the time, always, constantly. Yes. Me with all of the fun clothes I want to be the person I want to be, and instead I'm just like, no, keep, it's not perfect enough. Tracy, you don't need clothes to be the person you want to be. Oh my god. Uh, Thank well, you. According to civil society, you do need clothes. I mean, I'm not saying <laughs> <laughs> you do need clothes. But the clothes don't make the man. And up until right now, I don't think I truly understood that. Well, they definitely don't make the man, but it is possible that they might make the Tracy. Like, the jury's still out. <laughs> How did you just flip on that? No, 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 no. You don't get to be motivational and then turn around and go, but actually, you aren't good enough. <laughs> oh, that's not what I said. All right, Savage. all right. Enough of that. I'm Rowan Hall. I'm Tracy Harrison. And I'm Tim Black. And this is the Willing and Fable podcast, a podcast where we talk about ancient myths, local legends, and why stories have staying power. Except this week, we aren't going to tell you stories. Instead, we brought someone else to share some tales. You might remember in episode four when Tracy taught us about old Rip Van Winkle whiskey to accompany her story about sloth. We promised ourselves a nice bottle when we hit a podcasting goal. Well, this is not that. But (laughs) because this is our podcast and we can do what we want, welcome to Whiskey and Fable, where we bring you the first of our three-episode series all about whiskey, scotch, bourbon, and rye. In episode four, you learn that we love but don't actually know that much about whiskey. So we decided to reach out to friend of the podcast, Tim Black, 
who is a historian, storyteller, and avid whiskey lover. We asked him to help give us some insight and much-needed knowledge on whiskey. So this week, we basically threw in the towel. He's going to teach us about <laughs> Irish whiskey. He's going to tell us stories. And we are just going to sit back, relax, and sip our drinks. <laughs> 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 All right, Tim, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Tim, and my very favorite hobbies are drinking whiskey and ranting about history. I uh, studied history academically, focusing primarily on the medieval period. But I deign to delve deeper into the world of whiskey to help out these fine ladies this week. Everyone, this is so important. We brought you a person who actually studied what we're talking about for <laughs> real. Yeah, this is the same Tim who in five minutes of chatting with me in my podcast loft gave me more information about Helen of Troy than the hour and a half of research beforehand. So it's going to be good. <laughs> Feminist Helen of Troy, everyone. <laughs> oh, represent. <laughs> so like we said earlier, while Rowan and I both really enjoy whiskey, we don't know that much about it. So we thought it would be fun for all three of us to try different whiskeys and then talk about the tasting notes. So if you have any Irish whiskey of your own, this is your moment. Pause the podcast, pour yourself some, come back, or whatever drink you're into, LaCroix, apple juice. We don't care, uh, but get ready because we are diving in. <laughs> All right, Tim, what are you drinking today? I am drinking Writer's Tears. It is an Irish copper pot whiskey, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it a little bit of a nose. And while you sip and sniff whatever people do with whiskey, I will say when I recently visited, Tim pulled out Writer's Tears, and it was the most aesthetic drink that could have ever been poured <laughs> oh, for this so group good. of people. It's so good. And he got it specifically because he knows that we write ourselves a book report every week. And cry. Write and cry. <laughs> right, so it's important when you're nosing a whiskey to make sure you keep your mouth open because that way the scent of the whiskey will run over the back of your tongue and you get a much fuller impression of the whiskey's flavor. So I'm going to go ahead and give a little bit of a nose now. Very sweet. Uh, very sweet. That's all I'm really pulling from it, though. <laughs> uh, it's almost bourbony in terms of its level of sweetness. Can, can you give us a high level of the difference between bourbon, scotch, and whiskey? Yes, I am going to get into that in a little bit once we approach the history of whiskey. But long story short, they are all made from different forms of grain mash. Uh, Irish whiskey is typically made from barley. Whereas bourbon is made from corn mash. So it's exclusively a New World thing because prior to the discovery of America, there was no such thing as corn in Europe as we understand it. Lastly, there's rye, which is very self-explanatory. It uses rye grain as opposed to barley or corn in the process of fermentation. I'm nodding along as if I am an expert, as if you are informing me of things <laughs> I already knew. <laughs> mm. Yes, yes, of course. The difference is so clear. Oh, yes, and the New World grains. Thank you. Good mm. sir. <laughs> the New World grains. Maze. Okay, all right. So. <laughs> so it's time for you to taste and tell us what you taste. I have a toast. Uh, traditional Irish toast. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce uh, the Irish version of it because I'm going to butcher the Irish language enough later on. So I will simply say, may you be in heaven half an hour before the devil knows you're dead. Oof. <laughs> oh no, my toast is not that good. There's no such That's thing amazing. as a bad toast as long as you're drinking something you like. Vanilla and just a sweetness. Uh, it's like a very mellow sweetness, though. I would say almost like maple syrup. Yeah, that's where I'm at with that. I remember when we were chatting and I was sipping that whiskey that it had a very full taste. It wasn't just on the tip of your tongue. It was kind of warm even all the way to the sides and kind of a little bit to the back of your mouth. Yeah, I'm getting that, definitely. Mm, it's nice. I'll drink more of it. <laughs> so, so did you think of vanilla before or after reading the tasting notes? Because I happen to have the tasting notes in front of me. 
Mm-hmm. I have them in front of me, too. I thought of Vanilla before, uh, definitely, but I've also had writer's tears before, so I'm, I am used to the flavor to a certain extent, so I don't know how much of that is me coming up with original ideas or just, oh, hello, old friend. So that makes sense that you, you tasted it before. I think the most interesting flavor to me in the description is green apple. So the description says, honey develops on the palate, mellow notes of vanilla and golden malt, green apple skin, caramel, and a hint of oak. I tasted hmm. the... Green apple skin I gets tasted me. the oak when Tim served it, but no apple. Yeah, I'm getting no apple here. No. No apple. And I actually recall really appreciating that it wasn't super citrusy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, apparently it's um, it smells like a hint of citrus, but the flavor is green apple. Mm, but its mm. finish is how I want to be described. Warming, sweet, and long. <laughs> you need that length. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta have that length. <laughs> gotta be long. Well, it's writer's tears. You have to be long-winded. Well, you're in luck. <laughs> All right, Tim. So now that we've <gasps> okay. gotten you uh, something to drink, talk to us about history. All right, yeah. You liquor me up. Now you want me to talk about history. I get it. I know how you operate. <laughs> That's how this podcast operates, so yes. <laughs> All right, so to talk about the history of whiskey, uh, first I really want to get into what whiskey is. Now we talked about this a little bit before. Uh, whiskey is a distilled liquor composed of fermented grain mash. Uh, what makes up that mash changes the flavor and the character of the whiskey, but it's also altered by the water, the malt, and the barrels used during the spirit's creation. Irish whiskey, which is our darling subject of the day, is typically made from a distillation of malt and barley. Now, I'm an etymology nerd, so as soon as this topic came up, I wanted to see, where does the word whiskey come from? Where does it have its roots? And the word whiskey actually originates in the Irish language, which I'm about to butcher, in which it's called whiskebeta, or water of life. Mm. And if that phrase sounds familiar... It's because medieval Latin also referred to distilled spirits in the same terms, calling it aqua vitae. Yeah, I know about aqua vitae from, you know, my two years of Latin in high school. And I knew that it was what they referred to spirits as. But you're saying separately from that, the Irish language also called it water of life? Irish does borrow some loan words from Latin. For example, the... Irish word for God is dia, which is clearly derived from the Latin dei. But what I think happened here is contact between a Latin speaker and an Irish speaker resulted in them having to translate each other so literally that when whiskey came about, they just called it what the Latins called it, aqua vitae, only in their own language. Am I remembering correctly, there is also a Greek phrase that's wine is truth, and I just can't Oh, in vino veritas. In one That's Latin, truth. but yeah. Okay, so basically, the Latin language likes to make alcohol sound incredibly virtuous, and they were not thinking of Four loco when <laughs> they came up with this. Could you imagine a beautiful Roman fresco with Four loco? <laughs> I, I think the cult of Dionysus would actually very much appreciate Four loco, so let's not rule that out. <laughs> We support it. <laughs> so in terms of where whiskey has its roots, we're going to have to bring in one of the usual suspects. Uh, just as ancient legends and philosophies were carried through the Dark Ages, albeit a little worse for wear, we have the church to thank for today's whiskey. I'm shocked. Now, Let's go. Okay. <laughs> I want to say I'm shocked, except, you know, in ancient times, the church was responsible for 99% of everything. So that's fair. Not super shocked. Now, people have been distilling things since Babylon, at least uh, from Babylon to Persia, from Persia to the ancient Greeks. Uh, Alexander the Great was a great fan of distilled liquor as he was a fan of all forms of liquor. But modern distillation practices actually have their origins in the Middle East with the medieval Arabs. 
Now, liquor's use at the time was primarily medicinal, uh, particularly given Islam's ban on the imbibing of spirits. Hence why aqua vitae is called what it is. It was a medicinal drug. It wasn't a recreational beverage. Oh. It was used as an anesthetic and a painkiller. Now, this technique may have remained in the Middle East for some time, but fate and Pope Urban II intervened, and suddenly a bunch of Latin Christians were marching through the Levant. Uh, yeah, you heard me right. Uh, we may not have had whiskey without the Crusades. Now, humans being humans, the Latins picked up on the Arabs' distilling technique, and through the Italian trade cities, them being what they are, those techniques were spread throughout Christendom until those practices found their way to Ireland. So we actually have the medieval Arabs to thank for whiskey, originally. I, given 10 to 20 guesses, would not have guessed that. Well, the Arabs adopted it from ancient Greek techniques, who adopted it from Persian techniques, who adopted it from the Babylonians, and who knows where they got it from. Probably just some random farmer stumbled across a still one day and said, hey, this is awesome. So, who knows? Yeah, true. Now, around the 11th century, a bunch of Irish monks, here's the church again, got their hands on modern distillation practices, and they ran with it. But it looks like it took a few centuries for it to really catch on. The first historical account we have of recreational whiskey comes from the 15th century, which, according to the Annals of Clonmacnoise, an Irish chieftain drank himself to death on Christmas. Aww. <laughs> Rough, rough day, bud. I have been trying to chase more details on this for hours, and I can't. The only thing I found is an English translation saying that he perished from a surfeit of aquavitae. So. Huh. So, too much water of life. <laughs> um, at my household, when we put out cookies and snacks for Santa... We put out carrots for the reindeer because I grew up with horses and you got to mm -hmm. feed them. We put out lots of cookies. And at my house, Santa gets a rum and Coke instead of milk. <laughs> <laughs> That's so your family to a tea. It's irresponsible, Santa. You need to drive those reindeer, bud. You can't. We can't have you all conked out. That's what he's got Rudolph for. Rudolph's just leading the way. Rudolph's the real power behind the throne. I can't yeah. remember what my parents would have said to me the first time we did that, but I guess... It was so they could have a rum and coke while they were... <laughs> <laughs> Steal it before they went to bed. You don't get those rosy cheeks mm -hmm. from nothing. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that story is believable. Irish whiskey rose in popularity in the ensuing centuries, uh, so much so that the English Parliament tried to restrict its consumption. They actively condemned it as being a boorish and disgusting beverage. But it started to fall off around the mid-1800s. Now, there's a lot to unpack there, uh, not least of which being civil unrest and resistance to British rule. The Irish Free State, which was the quasi-independent government of Ireland during most of the early 20th century, overtaxed the export of whiskey to encourage domestic consumption and generate tax revenue so that they could kind of beef themselves up. Uh, the fact that the United States tried to ban alcohol in 1920 probably didn't help much. Ireland went from having more than 30 whiskey distilleries to only having three major producers still in operation. It was Old Bushmills Distillery, John Jamison and Sons, and that is how it's pronounced, apparently. Jamison, not Jamison. Hmm. Oh. Huh. And, and Powers Distillery. The remaining Irish distillers banded together, uh, forming together under a very accurate but grossly unimaginative name of Irish Distillers. <laughs> Great distillers, bad name at name. They were things. busy. That's true. And it's a name under which they operate to this day. As the 20th century gasped its last, Irish whiskey slowly regained its lost popularity and it is now once again a titan in the world of liquor. So I'm about to definitely take over as the next wine or er, wine taster, as the next whiskey taster. <laughs> because today I am drinking Black Bush by Bushmills Black. Um, so that happens to be my mother's go-to whiskey. So when I turned 21, it then became the whiskey that I learned how to 
sip whiskey with, basically. (laughs) I'm going to spout some history, Tim, and if I go astray, I'm trusting you to keep me in check. I lie in wait. Okay. (laughs) So Bushmills, with its distillery in Bushmills, Northern Ireland, is credited for making malt whiskey for 400 years. Uh, That's due to the royal license that was granted to a local to distill whiskey in the area in 1608. And that's the year that you'll find printed on any bottle of Bushmills. But the company itself was founded in 1784. Um, Bushmills, the village, is located near the Giant's Causeway, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So if you're going on vacation, highly recommend. Uh, because it's a, Highly recommend. Yeah, it's a prime tourist attraction. Um, and, of course, they're always open for tastings. So I gathered a few historical notes from actually the Bushmills website. They have their own comprehensive history page. In the 1850s, uh, the crown, the British crown, imposed a high barley tax. And this caused many Irish distilleries to switch to more affordable grains like corn. Is that possible? Would they have had corn? Corn at that time? Wheat. Uh, Yes, they would have had corn by that point. I also learned a fun fact recently that. Up until only like a hundred or so years ago, the word corn just meant the kernel of whatever you were using, like a barley corn, a wheat kernel. That was called the corn. And it's only recently with the New World discovery and widespread use of maize and what we think of as corn, that corn now means just that one particular food. When I woke up this morning, if either of you had told me that this would actually be the episode on the history of corn, I would not have believed you. <laughs> uh, so anyways, corn aside, Bushmills never switched to other grains. They've always stuck with m- malted barley. So in 1855, a fire destroyed the entire old Bushmills distillery And in the 1950s, during the Second World War, a German blitzkrieg destroyed their Belfast headquarters. To aid the war effort, Bushmills ended up housing American soldiers at the distillery. And going off of a few pictures I found, those American soldiers were not upset about where they had to bunk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Interesting bit of today's knowledge, Bushmills parent company is now Casa Cuervo. Oh, oh. That's surprising. Yeah. So, everyone, my toast today, I was gonna do slancha, which is the Irish and Scottish Gaelic phrase that you'll hear all the time on St. Patrick's Day. It means health, and I feel like during 2020 that would be a good one, but I wanted to be complicated <laughs> and fancy like Tim. So... May the best day of your past be the worst day of your future. Hmm, I like that. Hey, slancha. <laughs> so I'm going to try to smell this the way Tim said with a vaguely open mouth. Yeah, and I do have the, I have the tasting notes from online in front of me, so I can see how close you get. Well, the thing that I've always loved about Black Bush is that it has a bright flavor to it. I would say maybe an apple or a pear quality. Um, but it definitely, to my uneducated mouth, has um, something nutty going on. I don't want to get too specific because I feel like I'm about to be so wrong. <laughs> I would also say that it's chewy. Uh, when you sip it, it has a kind of a chewy quality to it. Again, I'm about mm. to... Tracy's about to drag me. I can feel I'm not. it. Really? I'm not. Chewy's a word on this thing. Oh, yes. Okay. Bring it, Tracy. The nose description says, Baked apples and spicy malt. A pleasingly mature character to it. Rich and ripe with some dark cooked black fruit. 
Raisin Cocoa Praline Coconut. Substantial, smooth, succulents. Coconut? Apparently. Coconut? That's apparently what you smell. I'm out. I'm out on coconut, praline, raisin, and cocoa. <laughs> so that's for smell. But for taste, it says, oh, God, this is how you could describe me. Big bodied, slightly oily. <laughs> I was just going to say, I want someone to describe me as substantial, smooth succulents. <laughs> right. Or pleasingly mature. Pleasingly mature. <laughs> so the palette is big-bodied, slightly oily, with nutmeg and red wine. Sophisticated and assured. Mm. Sweet start, then it firms up in the center, where the nuts return, melting into <laughs> the chocolate and raisin. Chewy and tongue-coating, showing some complexity. What does assured taste like? <laughs> I want to I wanna taste assurance, please. <laughs> So these notes are from uh, the Whiskey Exchange, so they're not from the Bushmills, like, website. So this is someone's very, like, I know whiskey interpretation of the... I like the Whiskey Exchange. Uh, I highly recommend them, mostly because you get a couple different tasting notes from a couple different experts, usually on each page, when I've looked Mm -hmm. through it in the past. Um, So highly recommend that website. Oh, I'm going to, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm going to read one last comment because I am now very into whiskey tasting notes as descriptors for people. Okay. (laughs) A confident whiskey that feels as though it has some age to it. (laughs) You you lost me there. I want my whiskey to be a shrinking violet. I want my whiskey to wither and (laughs) shrink away from me. to melt into the wall and just be a little little bit shy. I don't want any of this confident whiskey. I got no time for it. <laughs> this whiskey is beautifully balanced. That's what I hear. <laughs> I feel like we need to do caricatures of each of these whiskeys. Honestly, I all of these descriptors just as people. Right? <laughs> all right, now that we've tasted two whiskeys, Tim, did you bring a story for us today? I brought two stories for you today. So, in my brief research, I found that there's a lot of folklore overlap between whiskey and Satan. But probably not in the way that you'd think. (laughs) My first story comes to us out of Ireland itself, involving no less than the man himself, St. Patrick. This is the legend of Pota Padraig, or the Pot of St. Patrick. St. Patrick was doing his usual thing, baptizing pagans, admonishing sinners, banishing snakes, you know, normal stuff. But all of that is thirsty work, so the patron saints of Ireland decided it was time to stop into a tavern. When Patrick entered, he found a dismal sight. The inn was dreary, the furniture was shabby, and the patrons, to his holy horror, were painfully, hideously sober. The saint was taken aback at the state of things, but nonetheless approached the bar for a drop of the pure. The innkeeper, a sour and surly man by all accounts, grunted for the Apostle of Ireland's order. With all that bishop money burning a hole in his robes, Patrick ordered a dram of the barman's finest, and then settled onto his anachronistic barstool in anticipation. When the innkeeper returned, to say that Patrick was disappointed would be an understatement. The grim-faced barman had poured a paltry amount of whiskey in the saint's glass, and Patrick's saintly visage darkened at the sight. Now, I would never call myself a businessman or entrepreneur by any stretch, but cheating a guy who can command serpents out of a drink doesn't seem like a savvy strategy. After throwing back his meager helping of whiskey, Patrick leaned in conspiratorially, catching the innkeeper's eye and drawing him in close. I don't mean to alarm you, my son, muttered the saint. But I fear your immortal soul may hang in the balance. With those words, the barman's eyes went wide, and he stopped rubbing down the counter with his decidedly greasy bar rag. What do you mean, your grace? the innkeeper asked hoarsely. Looking from left to right, as though confirming their privacy, Patrick lifted his staff and gestured to the cellar door in the corner. Knowing this is where the barman stored his spirits, he said, There's a devil in your cellar. The color drained from the innkeeper's already sallow face, and he dropped his stained bar rag to the floor in horror. St. Patrick nodded sagely, his expression one of grim agreement. 
Ay, indeed, my son, the bishop continued. I fear he sips and slurps away your fine drink with every passing day. How else to explain such a paltry pour? The saint gestured towards his now empty glass and a look of confusion crossed the barman's face. It was swiftly replaced with a look of guilt and embarrassment. Oy, indeed, oy, indeed, said St. Patrick, meeting the innkeeper's eyes and holding his gaze. The demon must have been drawn to someone's scant generosity to do his infernal workings. The tavern keeper flushed red at this, color returning to his pale cheeks. His hands shaking, he reached down below the bar and retrieved a bottle of his finest whiskey. Still trembling, he poured a helping that filled Patrick's glass almost to the brim. The saint nodded graciously and sipped at his drink. Ah, I feel the pit's grasp on this place is loosened already. So yeah, St. Patrick basically trolled the innskeeper into giving everyone more whiskey by saying his basement was haunted. Was it the right <laughs> thing to do? No. Was it the holy thing to do? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, before you go on any further, that was so... Good. I now everyone can see why Tim is such a fun DM to have because he does the best voices and writes the coolest stories. Oh my god, that was so good. For anyone who doesn't know, Tim DMs a Pathfinder game that Tracy plays and Tim was kind enough to not only invite me to join but also build me a character. <laughs> mhm. Mm mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so, you know, good. One loved the Irish accent cuz I geek out every time Rowan does voices because I can't. Uh, I don't have that skill. I and... apologize to any Irish listeners, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This is cocktail hour at Willing and Fable. It's all done with uh, enthusiasm and good intent. You're a, a well-balanced, uh, uh, confidently mature storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I have a question. Sure. In the world of this story about St. Patrick, would the average Irishman recognize him and his divinity, or could he walk among the people un unknown? See, here, I really like to picture this, uh, because the tale of St. Patrick is actually fascinating in and of itself, where he just kept getting beaten up and enslaved for, like... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. decades until he became a bishop. But for this story, I really like the idea of him being fully pimped out in his bishop gear, walking in with like a <laughs> miter and the robes and like the gilded cape and just like sitting down in this dingy bar and asking for some whiskey. So, I mean, this is the D&D &D version. It, oh, it, yeah. I can... he, was a, he was big cleric energy. <laughs> <laughs> this is like level... Level 14, 15 cleric. The other stories were like level, what, four and five? Uh, like <laughs> that, level four commoner maybe for the, for the other stories. <laughs> Roll charisma. <laughs> All right, Tracy, it's your turn. All right. I'm going to pull up the tasting notes so we can see if you pass. All right. I am drinking one of the three... Big hitters of Irish whiskey. So Rowan did Bushmill. I am doing what I call Jameson, what is apparently called Jamison. So I am <laughs> drinking Jamison Black Barrel. Mm. So my toast has a similar intent to yours. It is, may your troubles be less and your blessings be more and nothing but happiness come through your door. Oh, yours rhymes. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, I really wanted to find one that rhymed. We just got showed up a little bit. I don't know. I think Tim's is still the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And it's thematic because it mentioned the devil. Yeah, there's oh. a lot of Satan in this one. <laughs> That's the episode title. There was a lot of Satan in this one. That's very good. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Okay. 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 I'm going to smell. How do you smell with your mouth open? Like a mouth open breather. You smell like mouth. a mouth breather. <laughs> I feel like I, I think my brain is trying to breathe in through my nose and my mouth at the same time and feeling weird about it. That's how it should feel. Okay, I could be so off. I, I feel like I smell something, something kind of caramelly, which maybe is making my brain also think of apples. 
Um, but it's definitely, definitely like a warm, a warm, cozy brightness to the scent. Okay. Okay. So the notes are grassy malt caramel, butterscotch, yes. and a light fruit lazily making their way out of the glass, followed by some nice lemony citrus and a touch of spice. Mm, there's also a hint of wood and some coppery undertones from the single pot still. Okay. I don't get the coppery. I don't really get the wood, but I definitely get kind of a little bit of citrus. Definitely spice. When you smell it, does it smell lazy? You know what? It smells really hardworking and generous is how it smells. <laughs> this whiskey procrastinates. <laughs> <laughs> this whiskey would leave you on red. Okay. <laughs> this whiskey is fired if that's the case. <laughs> I feel called out by these whiskey comments. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tracy, give us a taste. All right. Ooh, I don't know why I get apple from it now. I think because my brain is so focused on apple and I taste that caramel flavor, which my brain associates with like caramel apples. But it's definitely a little bit of spice. You can taste like something something fruity. If it's not apple, it's something fruity. And definitely a, I would say like a warm, a warm spice mixed with something a little sweeter. That's what I get out would of it. Would you say that this fruity flavor is a pronounced fruit? To me it is, but maybe that's wrong. Might be a no. silent fruit. <laughs> <laughs> so caramel, toffee, malt, and a pronounced fruit work their <gasps> way across the palate. Some nice warm woody notes pick up and the spice from the nose morphs into being more cinnamon driven with a tiny bit of vanilla and lemony citrus. Oh my god, I'm proud of how well I did given that I did not look at those notes. 10 out of 10, no notes. <laughs> Mayor of Whiskey Town. That's me. Mayor of Whiskey Town. All right, so, but I, I want to go off of what you just said. We thought we were whiskey rookies, and I would say that you cannot be wrong in what you taste. It right. might not be what someone else wrote, but if you think of apples when you drink this whiskey, no one can tell you that you don't think of apples. That's fair. I like that interpretation. I, I do have one uh, bone to pick here. Tracy, initially you said it smelled bright. What does yes. bright smell like? Like um, um, like a, a, a spicy citrus. Okay, that's good. I, I was worried about the alternative. I was afraid that Jamison was grinding up angels and using them to ferment their whiskey, so. Oh, I wasn't clear that they do that? Damn. <laughs> Gabriel! We're, okay, from now on when we taste whiskey, I think we can only use words that don't describe actual flavors. So it's a, No, you can only tastes... use words you could also use to describe a person. It tastes bright and confident. <laughs> this whiskey tastes a little backstabbing. This whiskey I would describe as like, I think of, you know, like the really like kind of heavyset, busty, like rosy cheeked woman serving you a lot of cakes and pies and like delicious food. Like that's the personification of this whiskey to me. Like it's just warm and comforting and like has a little bit of like a lemony smell from the, the, the goods. Being See, I'm, ge I'm getting notes of generalized anxiety disorder from my whiskey. So that's, that's interesting <laughs> too. Mm, I would say my whiskey uh, is an overconfident paladin who always thinks they're right, but secretly has a warm heart. Keep okay. circling back to D&D. That is my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I do this for you. <laughs> Oh, and a final note on Tracy's uh, busty dessert supplying whiskey. The finish yep. is warming, sweet, and long. Why are they all long? What is that? Is, because is there a whiskey that's uh, chilling? No, no, it's like um a, a long finish in music, as opposed to something ending abruptly in your mouth. Flavor wise, it kind of lingers. I know. I just feel betrayed by the whiskey because I can't be described as long. I'm very small. You are very small. Would you say that you are warming and sweet? Would you? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> 
You have other qualities. Don't worry about it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh you bring a lot to the quick, table. Quick, say them for me, please. <laughs> I would say, um, hold on, let me pull up some tasting notes because I can only describe you in terms of whiskey. <laughs> if I were whiskey, how would you describe me? I would say you're baked apples and spicy malt. I'm baked oh, apples and spicy malt. <laughs> you have a pleasing, mature character to you. <gasps> okay, thank you. So I'm mature and I'm not nice. <laughs> also, you are cooked black fruit and uh, raisin cocoa, praline <laughs> and coconut. <laughs> Tim, what did you say? Uh, just reading your whiskey. <laughs> as tim said from now on it's whiskey has to be described as people and people have to be described as whiskey finally a world i can understand (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh, all right tasting was fun i think it's time for tim's next story my next and final story yes i didn't know we were getting two so i'm excited yeah it's a double feature (laughs) <laughs> so my second story comes to us out of Scotland, but by all accounts I can find, it's never specifically said whether it's scotch whiskey or uh, traditional blended whiskey. So I'm choosing to uh, support the latter. This is the story of Tom Campbell and his drunken brawl with Lucifer. I'm sorry, a quick question. Is that the same Tom Campbell related to our good dear friend Joe Campbell? It could very well be. Our friend, well, this is a story I actually want to cover in another episode. Our friend Joe's ancestors were in a thing called the Black Wedding, which was what inspired the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones. Wait, a real person that you know? Mm-hmm. Our friend Joe, who was the one we mentioned in our Death Gods episode, because he reached out to us about Taylor Swift's album. Yes, it, we, we yeah. love Joe. It was the, the, Tim, what was it? It was the Campbell, and the Campbells and the, the Black Wedding. Yes, it was the Campbells at the Black Wedding. Yeah, and that inspired George R.R. Martin to write their Red Wedding in Game of Thrones. Put it on the calendar. Right? I want to cover that. And I just think it's cool that this might be a similar Campbell, possibly related to our friend Joe. Campbell's for days. All right, let's get started. In the Highland village of Wigtown, all was not well. For months, a plague had ravaged the townsfolk, and many confined themselves to their homes in fear of the deadly sickness. Relatable content. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) It was in this village that there lived one Tom Campbell. A Highlander through and through, Tom was tall and broad-chested, with a mane of fiery red hair and a beard thicker than the wool of a sheep. And, like any good Highlander, Tom liked his whiskey. It was a miserable, drizzly day that Tom's wife demanded that, once he had returned from the mill at which he labored, he was to stay inside and wait out the sickness like the rest of the sensible townsfolk. It was here that Tom felt a pit in his stomach, as his gaze rested on his empty liquor cabinet. And, though he was fearless in battle and a stout heart in a brawl, the Highlander dreaded a quarantine in sobriety. It was on his way home from the mill that Tom resolved himself. Strapping on his tartan face mask and waiting six feet away from the patron in front of him, he ordered a bottle of the tavern's finest whiskey from the inn's proprietor. Before leaving the humble establishment, Tom took a swig from his bottle and boldly declared, This plague is the devil's work, and he'll nail a finger on me. The weight of the amber bottle was heavy in his hands as Tom strolled home, but his heart was all the lighter for it. It was when he was halfway home, on the rocky shores that hedged the Irish Sea, that the Highlander heard footsteps. Turning to see who was behind him, Tom's eyes momentarily watered as his nose caught a waft of brimstone. He'll nay lay a finger on me, said the man clad all in black, yellow eyes shining in the light of the crescent moon. His voice was melodious and discordant, entrancing and nauseating. The mockery in it was unmistakable. Tom knew instantly who this man was, what this creature was. The devil prowled forward towards the Highlander, and his every movement was malice itself. As the demon drew nearer, Tom calmly reached down and pulled his whiskey bottle from his satchel, 
Care for a drink? he asked, without so much as a tremor in his voice. The devil pulled up short, his malevolent visage twisting in confusion. A what? asked Satan. A drink, repeated Tom. There was a beat as the creature's empty, soulless eyes fell on the bottle of whiskey before returning to the Highlander. You do know who I am? asked the enemy of all things living. Tom nodded. Lucifer, the demon explained, fearing that he may not have gotten his point across. Tom nodded. The Prince of Darkness. Tom nodded again. The Father of Lies. Another nod. The Seven-Headed Dragon, the Lord of the Pit, the Morning Star, the King of Hell, the Smokeless Flame, uh, Satan. Tom nodded a final time his face never shifting from its expression of mellow courtesy to the devil's immense bemusement. There was another pause before Satan, the first of the fallen ones and master of pandemonium, shrugged and accepted the bottle. It was here that Tom first felt horror as the devil raised the bottle to his damned lips and, before the Highlander could say anything, drained almost half of it. Tom cried out in dismay and snatched the battle back from the archdemon, wrenching it from the creature's fire-blackened hands. Save some for the rest of us, the Highlander shouted before helping himself to a healthy amount of the liquor. The devil cackled at Tom's consternation, but fell back on his heels ever so slightly as the whiskey took hold of him. After Tom's thirst had been adequately quenched, he capped his bottle and slid it back into his bag. The devil's eyes followed the whiskey as it disappeared. One of his eyelids was now drooping slightly. I'll tell you what, my good mortal, said Satan, foe of God and all his angels, his speech slightly slurred. What say we settle things the Highland way? A contest of strength? Tom seemed to weigh the offer in his mind. If I win, the devil continued, which is almost a certainty, his mouth twisted into a sulfurous grin. I will take your soul. Satan trailed off. If he was hoping for some measure of terror out of the Highlander, he was disappointed. What if I win? asked Tom, his voice even and steady as ever. If you win, the devil chuckled. Well, that is unlikely. But, prompted the Highlander. If you win, Satan repeated. Name your prize, and if it exists on this earth or beneath it, it shall be yours. Tom seemed to mull it over for a few moments, before finally nodding. Fair enough. And so it began. A wrestling bout for the fate of an immortal soul on a drizzly night in western Scotland. The devil was a fierce combatant, fearfully strong and possessed of an unholy might. The beast had warred against God and brought devastation to the heavens, but Tom was a drunk Scotsman. The brawl lasted through the night, and there were several moments where the Highlander was almost undone. But the whiskey was in him, and it burned within him like kindling, like the blazing wings of the Lord's own angels. Satan, by contrast, was getting sloppy. Tom wasn't sure what they drank in the seven circles of the damned, but it certainly wasn't Highland whiskey. While the heart of all evil had started out strong, the drink was beginning to take its toll. Before long, the rebellious archangel was staggering, his throes and blows becoming careless and unbalanced. It was as dawn broke that Tom found his opportunity. As the devil had missed him with a careening haymaker, the Highlander tripped his adversary, which is to say, he tripped the adversary. <laughs> it was the second time that Lucifer had ever fallen. Tom gave a shout of triumph as Satan groaned and propped himself up on his elbows, the wet spray of the beach soaking through his infernal garments. I beat you, Tom declared breathlessly. Fair and square, I've gone and beat you. The devil hissed half in pain and half out of pure serpentine spite. I get to name my praise, the Highlander pressed on. Satan's eyes, which burned with the fires of hell itself, were narrowed in drunken, exhausted hatred. Name it, slurred the devil, his voice venomous and his breath noxious. Tom didn't hesitate. 
He had known what he'd wanted from the moment Satan had made his bargain. Take the plague away from this village, the Highlander commanded confidently, and let it never return. The devil's face twisted in disgust before he nodded. It is done, Satan said, and before Tump could reply, he melted away into sable smoke, which seeped into the ground of that rocky beach. Back to hell to nurse his hangover. The Highlander was elated, overjoyed that his drinking habit had saved his family and friends. A broad smile stretched across his bruised and battered face. He closed his eyes as the warmth of the rising sun washed over him. He then promptly passed out. I didn't think that I could love a story more than the first one you told. But that was, one, so good. Two, had a very Terry Pratchett, Neil Gaiman feel to the humor mm. of it, which I deeply appreciate. Mm-hmm. I could see this happening on Discworld for sure. <laughs> the combination of like, I, I think the, the way that you combined the very mundane with like the essence of Satan was to me very funny. Like the idea of like the water, the, the salty water washed over his infernal garments, his, the, the way that you described, him, I don't know, it was so good. The way you described him, the back and forth of him being like, do, do, do you know who I am? And him being like, yeah. <laughs> Never yeah. underestimate the power of a drunk Scotsman. <laughs> Just so imagining good. Satan damp at all, having to deal with weather in any form. Right? Like, it's, it's oh, so good. That He's was... a very moist archdemon. He is now. <laughs> I would like to make this my formal request for Tom Campbell to come and make that deal for COVID-19. Uh, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> So what I love about this is it's basically the devil went down to Georgia, but with way more drinking and a lot more punching. I was just going to say, <laughs> I, I'm hearing that song in my head the entire time you're telling this story. I, uh, <laughs> if you threw in a little fiddling in the background of that, I wouldn't be out of place in any way. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want Tim to think that we invited him onto this podcast and just gave him a bunch of homework with no reward, um, because that kind of is what we did. Um... <laughs> So we do have one extra story this week, and it's also not written by us. It's not written by us. We did no work this week. <laughs> um, so before we jump into our something good, so Tim, this gives you some time to think about your something good. Um, we are going to read a listener story sent in by our very own Taylor Ash, who is the one who composed all of the music you hear throughout this entire podcast. So... I am going to read Taylor's spooky story. Hi. Okay, so I have a ghost story. I haven't honestly thought about this for years, but I had to tell you since you both want some spooky stories. Okay, story is as follows. Growing up, my parents often went on vacation and left us behind. Totally respectable now that I'm an adult. Occasionally, they would leave us with my great aunt and uncle who lived in this giant mansion in Villanova. Now, this place was always mega creepy to me. Just this massive house with like 10 bedrooms, including a whole wing for servants. But the creepiest part was probably the basement. This was an unfinished basement, which included a dungeon and a room that looked like not too much good had happened there. Kind of like a torture chamber of sorts. So when my brother and I would stay there, we often slept in the servant's wing because the bedrooms were smaller and we were little at the time. We often slept in separate rooms, but my brother almost always ended up coming into my room to sleep because he got scared. This particular time, there was a terrible thunderstorm while we were trying to sleep. My brother was in the room next to me, so I wasn't surprised when I heard the door open and felt the pressure of a person slide into my bed. I was facing away from the door trying to sleep, so I turned around and said, yeah, I'm a little freaked out too. Only to see the empty space next to me. I obviously then shot out of bed, ran next door, and saw my brother sleeping quite peacefully. I don't have an explanation for what I felt, and I've tried to chalk it up to being in somewhat of a dream state when this all happened, but I really have vivid memories of this. 
Many of my other family members all agree that the house definitely had some mystical energy and potentially spirits wandering about, but I guess we'll never truly know. Nope. 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 (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, isn't that good? (laughs) That one is so good. I was so excited to share that one. I wouldn't let Rowan read it beforehand. I, oh, uh, okay. (laughs) If I was young baby Taylor, there would be no way I would go back into that room by myself. I would go back because I'd want to find the ghost, but I would drag my brother with me. Mm -mm. I don't, I don't, I think I would sleep on the couch or at least with one other person near me. Yeah, they summoned something. (laughs) Maybe they were just drinking whiskey with dinner and the devil was like, this is my moment. (laughs) This is my time to shine. Now is my chance. (laughs) (laughs) No Highlanders here. I'll include it in the show notes, but she sent, (laughs) she sent two articles about the Clothier family who owned the house originally. Um, and so she has some articles about the property and the family. So I can add those to our show notes. Hold on. Taylor sent us a story and she cited her sources. Excuse me? Yeah. What am so I doing she... here? Just get her on. <laughs> we have the best team ever. So this is a moment to hype Taylor, actually. She just released a music video for her single Void. And it is fantastic. Everything Taylor ever does, she does a hundred and ten percent and we will absolutely also make sure to link that in the show notes so you can give it a listen as well you can always find her on our instagram and her instagram is taylor ash music i have loved taylor's music since she was writing songs in high school but this one blew me away this one's amazing i have to say i'm so honored her first album she released i did the photography that's on the cover so I've had a copy of that CD since, like, before she released it, and I've loved it, and I've listened to it a bunch. How did I not know that? Yeah, it's not the one for the the new single. It's her, her old album cover with her sitting um, with a guitar. Oh. But for her, um, her new single, Void, I have listened to it today alone four times. It's good name. so good. Like the yeah, name. It's it's called Void and it's all about the feeling of anxiety and being afraid to leave your safe space. Ah, relatable. So mm. good. Beautiful, so good. I'm not kidding. I listened to it on repeat this morning while I was getting ready for this podcast. And it's available on any app that you listen to music on. Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, and she has the link in her Instagram. There's a music video on YouTube as well. Yes, and we will make sure that all the links are available for you because we adore Taylor and her cited spooky story. (laughs) (laughs) So, Tim, do you know the origin of our something good? Do you even know that we are optimistic and happy at the end of our podcast episodes? Well, as someone who's never optimistic or happy, I'm going to need a bit of a crash course. (laughs) Fair. So at the end of every episode, we ask each other to say something good. It comes from the fact that when I had gotten out of a relationship and I was a sad, depressed human, my father sent me an Amazon Echo to keep me company because (laughs) robots, I don't know. And whenever I'm blue, I ask Echo to tell me something good. So Tracy, tell me something good. Buy Tim a moment. Yes, I will. And I really didn't prepare for something good. Um, But actually, you know what? I will say. Ha, 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 ha. You always get mad at me. Well, tease me for not being prepared. Ha. You know what? (laughs) I deserve that. Give me one more. Ha. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. I've been properly chastised, everyone. (laughs) But, but, okay. So, I I mean, I do have one that really... stood out to me. So um, it's the fact that I had my birthday recently, recently enough to when we're recording, that um, I was really shocked by the outpouring of love from my coworkers, my friends, from you guys. Like we had listeners wishing me happy birthday. Um, Shout out for people wishing me happy level up day. I made everyone else say that to me for the rest (laughs) of the day. She did. I did. So it was just... I 
you know, it's a weird time. It's a weird year. But the the love that I got from everyone around me just made me realize how incredibly fortunate I am to know the people that I know. And so that's my something good. It was just seeing the way that people made sure to go out of their way to say they care about me and wish me happy birthday was just the sweetest thing. Happy belated, belated, belated level up day. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, Rowan, mm-hmm. tell me something good. Yeah, so remember a minute ago when I made fun of you for not having thought of one in advance? Ha! <laughs> 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 no, you gotta do it all breathy and aggressive. <laughs> Sounds like you're having an asthma attack. It feels like I am. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, my something good this week is, um, <laughs> it's... It's it's actually really simple, but um, my plants that everyone who listens will know I got kind of in process of doing this podcast and then they started to die because I don't have a green thumb. Well, a friend of mine was taking care of them for a little bit, so now they're living again and they're thriving. <laughs> so they, they came back to me all sweet and perky and happy, which makes my heart warm which makes my heart warm, and now I'm going to do my utmost to not kill them again. Shout out to that friend. I know. Honestly, though, any other person but me could water these plants, and they'd <laughs> like, thank you so much, and then I give them the same water, and they're like, you are pouring the devil's whiskey on us. Stop it. <laughs> Maybe try pouring whiskey on them. What could go wrong? It's confident. It's got a long finish. It'll be great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's silly and simple, but it makes me very happy to see my happy little plant babies. I'm glad to hear that. All right, we've given you enough time. Tim, tell us something good. I think my something good is honestly uh, this. Uh, I haven't written in a very long time uh, due to a number of factors, uh, not least of which is the situation we're all dealing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but getting these stories together and doing the research and writing dialogue and just really getting that creative bone flexed. You don't flex bones. That's weird. Never mind. <laughs> uh, I'm really looking forward to writing again. And I want to thank you guys for that, actually, because... yeah. That is my something good, is that I'm getting back on the creative horse. Yes, and I'm going to keep pressuring Tim because he, I'm going to spoil it a little bit, started a short series, a series of short stories based on Lovecraft and in like the Lovecraft mythos. It's like modern retellings and the the few that you've you've written have been amazing and so good. And I feel so lucky that I got to kind of like read them before a lot of other people. Um, and Tim is one of my favorite writers, so... I'm glad you're feeling the energy of it. Thank you kindly. And not to put too much of a button on it, but uh, Tim's going to be back next week Mm -hmm. because we have scotch to cover and we have bourbon and rye as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. So get used to the sweet, dulcet, confident tones of his voice. (laughs) Get used to my terrible Scottish accents. (laughs) I love it. I love hearing people do accents because, like I said, I can't. <laughs> so this is important for everyone who's listening. If you like Whiskey and Fable cocktail hour with us, get your scotches ready or your juice or your soda or whatever you like because next episode is still Whiskey and Fable and we are going back to Scotland to learn about how the heck they make their delicious whiskey. Yes, we are. Hi. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, stories grow with the telling. So if you like what we're doing, tell a friend. Or, oh, Tim, do you want to do it? Oh. No, I'll I'll (laughs) let you do the honors. (laughs) (laughs) Or tell a foe. And we'll see you soon, okay?
Thank you so much for joining us for the Willing and Fable podcast. This episode was written and produced by Tracy Harrison and Rowan Hall. That's me. Our music was written and performed by Taylor Ash, and our logo is by Jamie Harrison. If you ever want to watch or read what we're reading, head over to willingandfable.com for our show notes, or find us at Willing and Fable on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to join the discussion. We hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite listening source. And check out Willing and Fable on Patreon, where we have more than a few surprises for you, including custom artwork, stories, and access to our secret Discord channel. And of course, join us next time for another round of ancient myths, local legends, and stories with staying power.